You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Victoria Schaefer, aspiring actress and animal enthusiast, is on her own in New York City. Follow Victoria and her two dogs, Rue and Echo, as she cares for her furry friends and juggles home life and career, all the while managing to survive in the world's most hectic city. The exciting animal adventures and secret stories from both ends of the leash that make up the Tales of the City. Hey guys, it's Victoria Schaefer, your host of Tales of the City on Pet Life Radio. Last month, I met animal photographer and writer Diana Haskell at Poopy Doopy and Teeny Weenie's Doggy Birthday Extravaganza, which I featured on my last episode. We got to talking about animal companionship, and she took a few pictures of my big dog, Echo, in Lorraine Arbus's unique and wacky hallway. I'm thinking about starting an Instagram account for Echo. What do you guys think? Write me and suggest some Instagram handles if you would follow him. After bonding with Diana over Echo's beauty, I knew I wanted to interview her. And then, once I got home, I checked out her website and saw her photos and knew an interview was a must. Check her out at www.dianahaskellphotography.com. And in the meantime, stick around because after this commercial break, I'll finally be interviewing animal photographer Diana Haskell. Nobody captures the bond between pet and owner better than her. Tales of the City will be right back in two shakes of a, well, tale. I love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. Luckily, there's World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that promises less mess with less litter. Only World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to quickly trap odors in tight clumps. And quick clumping means you never have to chisel or scrape the box. Less cleanup with less wasted litter? That's a litter bit amazing. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. You're listening to Tales of the City on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Victoria Schaefer, here with animal photographer and writer, Diana Haskell. Hi, Diana. Hi. So, I enjoyed meeting you at Poopy Doopy and Teeny Weenie's. <laughs> birthday party that was one hell of an event huh it was I still think about it was that your first time attending it was so yeah you really probably were shocked (laughs) even even as a hardcore New York City or and dog fanatic it still is quite an adjustment to see a living room full of people and their animals yes I've been there a couple years in a row and every time I'm still blown away this is such a, a funny occasion. Anyway, so let's get right into it. How did you get into animal photography would be the first obvious question. Yes, you know, people ask me this a lot and I, it always seems like a difficult question to answer because I think I was always, always in it. In some way, my life was all about animals and writing the camera was just the way I documented my experience of the world, you know, even when I was really little. So the interesting thing is it took many, many years before that became my vocation. So in between that time, I did all kinds of different things and would never have considered myself an artist. And then slowly as I became more the clear photographer, 
I um, made this book for this friend in 2000, it's like 2009, 2010. I photographed this very dear friend of mine and his new dog, his new rescue dog. And at that time, you know, all those blur books and so were coming out, made it really easy for us to make books. And I put these these images together and I literally, I think I remember just stepping into this room for two days and not leaving till it was done because I was having so much fun. And I started to write and all my writing and everything just came together like, like I was made to do this. And I just could not wait to make the next one. That's really what I was thinking about the whole time I was making it for him also. (laughs) And then And then interestingly, I was so moved by his experience of receiving this book that told his story and how he rescued this animal from this dog from South America in the jungle where he was trekking and this whole adventure. And he literally was sobbing while he got the book. And then I really thought, I want to do more of this because I just really want to touch people in some way that I didn't understand at the time. And that would just take a bunch of years before I got clearer. But what it did is it gave me permission to go back to doing what I really loved, which is to be around the animals. So then I started, you know, you you sort of have this permission to then go do that thing that you thought was so outlandish, which is be with horse whisperers and dog trainers and animal communicators and just spent all this time amassing experience shooting in sanctuaries and doing all those things that would cultivate this passion. Wow. Yeah, I bet it's a lot of fun. And it's so amazing that you really felt like this was your calling and then to see the impact of your work must be amazing. Exactly. So I was doing some reading about you and you describe yourself as an animal relationship photographer, writer, and seeker. What, what exactly are you seeking? And, and can you just elaborate on that? Yeah, it's such a good question. I, I actually, that was written from a PR perspective from the person interviewing me and, and, it, and it felt really good. So I'm kind of glad she, she put that there. Well, firstly, I'm an animal relationship photographer because I focus on the connection between people and their animal companions. But that's just my focus. It's the thing that feels very tangible. So I see it, I feel it, I witness it, and I just want to shine a light on it for others. So that's that's where that comes from. There are a lot, a lot of super gifted photographers and specifically dog photographers, as you know. Too many people, from what I see, focus on the actual relationship. And so that's where I'm the most comfortable. So that's where that comes from. And then the seeker part is probably because I've spent a lot of time delving into that relationship and wanting to understand sort of the mystery of it my whole life, not just this time I've been wanting to work with clients, you know, on on developing that understanding that connection with them through their animals. But I think for me, it's about seeking the truth underneath that like what is that about what is this extraordinarily strong love we have for our animals and really how can we use the power of that and how we can learn from the animals to to have as much love and compassion you know how people are with their animals sometimes they're more loving than they are with other humans and yes how can how can you know, each of us for ourselves, how can we take that the way we act, the way we are with our dogs, our cats, our horses, etc., and then translate that to be that way more in the world and more with other people, even with ourselves and with nature and be more connected, all those things. 
I seek to understand all those things. Yeah. Have you always loved animals and been fascinated with this human animal bond? Definitely. I strangely saw a photograph of one of my earliest memories. So it's pretty amazing to see a photograph of this. I was about three and a half and I was on the beach and um, someone handed (laughs) me the leash of this little dachshund. I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. And I remember the thrill of, you know how you feel that connection to the animal through a leash? Yes. You can just feel. And I remember just not even knowing where I began and started and where the dog began and started. And I just remember, for me, that was that that adrenaline thrill that probably fueled me ever since. (laughs) And the awe and wonder. I used to work in zoos and I would spend hours just watching animals and just standing there and staring at them, staring at me. And I think the bottom line is I always felt more alive around animals and more myself. It's a hard thing to explain. And I always had this sense that they could teach me something. I mean, I remember saying this as a little kid that, you know, animals teach us better than people do. So definitely been part of my, you know, my being forever. Yeah. So you're known for your love story products, specifically your love story books. Can you explain what they are and how you go about making them? Sure. Love to. I am love story books. These are books that I make for clients and they're fine art photography books. So we make all the images and then there's this writing, usually prose and poetry that's written from the imagined perspective, say of your dog back to you or back to your family. So it's a little bit unique in that it has the writing, but it's basically just a big creative adventure that I embark upon with my clients. And we do a number of different shoots in places that they love. So it might be, for example, if it's New York City, it would be in their home here and maybe Central Park or Washington Square Park, and then maybe in a place that they also love to go by the beach, for example. So we would do all these shoots and then um, we would pick all the materials, the leather, the wood, the everything reflects that story. Even the font that I choose would sort of match the personality of your animal. Everything is put together very in a personalized way. And that's where the love story comes from. It's really a love story between the two of you or your family and that animal. And a big part of it is the experience you have, the gift of the time you spend together where you don't have your phone. I find this really true for New York City <laughs> clients. Yes. <laughs> the time that you're present with one another. And, and of course, then you have this lasting keepsake. So a lot of clients at the end say, oh, I, I want to make this, I want to spend more time like this as a family or with my dog. I really just want to delve into that time we have together because it, it's really fleeting. A lot of my clients have older animals, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really special that you are able to add text to these photos. It sets sets um, them apart. Where do you find the inspiration for this poetry or text? I mean, do you just look at the animal and you know in your head what what yeah. their personality is like? Or That's a really good question. I finally have figured out that I have always seen images with writing and I've always thought of writing and then had an image in my mind. Mm-hmm. When you something for when something feels so natural to you, sometimes you don't know if it's something you don't even know that you do that or that it's acquired. It's just or that it's maybe not what everybody else does. So it's taken me a while to figure that out. So that in itself is just sort of natural. But 
also, I think I've just spent so much time observing animals. So let's say I came with you to the park and I was watching your dog and you, and I would get a theme about how you roll together or something, some nuance about how you speak to each other, how you are. And I kind of build on that theme. And then before I know it, certainly after a couple of sessions photographing, I have also just a whole story written out. Yeah. How long do these books take? <laughs> they take a really long time. They, on my end, it's a, it's a long creative journey, which of course I love, but for clients, it depends. It's usually two to three sessions, which can be, you know, a couple hours each, and then maybe a little bit of talking and a little bit of creativity together about where, certainly about where you want to shoot and, you know, the things that matter to you and to your family. On my end, there's a lot of processing of images and putting them together in a, in a book and working with the people who make the book for me in Italy. They're all handmade and put together. And then the writing of the story, of course. I love it. Like I, I gladly take a year to do each one. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, by the end, you must really have a full understanding of, of the animal and their owner. My clients tell me I, I have, you know, everything always resonates with them. But I think, I, you know, it's so vast. It's so many layers, relationships with our animals. As I always yeah. say, if people heard the conversations we had with them, they probably would think each of us was a little, a little loony tunes. I mean, who knows? So many layers and depths to that, don't you think? Oh, completely. There's, I don't know where it came from, but someone once told me, like, if aliens were are looking down on us, they <laughs> would think that that dogs rule this world because we we spill our secrets to them. We uh, we follow them around, picking up their poop, <laughs> let them that. sleep in our beds, et cetera, et cetera. I like that. That feels feels accurate to me. I agree. So, what is your favorite animal to photograph? I mean, we've talked about dogs, but I know you photographed way more exotic animals than I do but you know I, I really I love photographing whoever's in front of my camera I literally fall in love with any animal I, I remember photographing this boy and his pet rat and I don't have the necessarily the best association with rats just living in, in New York City the animal was so loved this boy and turned its head and its little whiskers and they talked to each other and it was just so touching and at that point there was nothing more special to me than that particular rat so really whoever's in front of my camera again who, whoever's relating to whomever it's that relationship you know when you know when you enter that zone with your animal if you see that you can see it really well with horses and people and that horse turns its head and the person turns their head and that long neck kind of wraps around the person and all of a sudden both the person and the horse are even more beautiful if you've ever witnessed that when you see yeah people yeah that. you're talking about these poses like are there any tricks to getting an animal to pose for you or do you, is it just time and waiting for the right moment well that's a trick in and of itself, if we could call it that. I think for me, it's really about experience and practice. There are things that I can do now that, you know, I couldn't have done a couple of years ago or many years ago in terms of knowing, having a sense for the timing. But I also think knowing how you show up when you're doing this work, meaning your mood, your energy, how you move, if your mind is really noisy, if you're feeling super excited or really drained. Those are the things that animals respond to. And 
oftentimes if your mind, for example, is very busy and you don't have a very quick way to get quiet, animals aren't really interested in relating to you. They're not necessarily curious. They kind of want to avoid you because a lot of that busyness are, are things that they don't relate to. They don't want to be a part of. So as far as tricks, I think it's a lot about knowing your own energy and knowing how to shift that as well mm -hmm. as being hugely flexible. I know there are a lot of photographers who do, for example, only people and they have everything set up and they're used to that. But when you put an animal in the mix, you can't very well say, you know, and now you're going to sit on the couch and now you're going to run and look happy. And it just doesn't work that way with animals. It's we have to accommodate whatever it is they want. My little dog, Rue, who you didn't meet at the party because she is incredibly shy, has this fear of cameras and phones and everything. And I'm, I'm always trying to, uh, you know, try to tell her that it's, it's okay. Like it's just a picture, but she, as soon as she sees it come out, she like runs away. I don't know where she got that fear. It's really common. I see that a lot. It's one of the things that I, you, things we can do to work on that. And usually when I have my assistants, we, we work on that as well, but there are things you do like you, you know, use your shutter a lot in the beginning so they get used to the sound. And I'm really careful depending on the animal, how I make eye contact, how I move, how I sit. These are things that I find that the more respectful we are to the things that are comfortable for them, then you get granted more permission, just like a person. If you stand too close to them or you stare them down and it's not that kind of person, then you're less likely to have an engaging conversation. I think it's the same way with animals. We always, always have to be coming from their perspective and how we honor them. Yeah. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Time for a walk in Central Park, of course. We'll be right back with more Tales of the City. I called it elephant skin. It was rough, wrinkly, like a Brillo pad. His hair was falling out in clumps. Petey stopped eating and all his hair fell out. Our golden retriever, Sundance, scratched incessantly. There was hair all over. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Dynavite is nutrition. Within two weeks, the shedding slowed down to almost none. The scratching went away after a few days and Sundance's coat was starting to get shiny and glossy. It's a 180 turnaround. His skin has cleared up. He is not in pain. If your dog has shedding, dry skin, excessive scratching due to Dynavite. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Begging to hear more of your favorite show? Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio and iTunes. Let's talk pets. Live and on demand only from Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Tales of the City on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Victoria Schaefer, here with Diana Haskell, 
animal photographer and writer. Well, I know you have a dog named Luca that you found on Pet Finder, which I found my two dogs on Pet Finder as well. And I was just curious if you ever practice on him. And if so, like, what has he taught you? I mean, you have so many tricks and methods to getting these photos, but I'm sure having your own dog, it's like... Yeah, I I would have I couldn't imagine not having my own dog at at any time. But yes, poor Luca um, has been extremely a patient poser for me. He uh, I definitely practice on him more technical things I'd say and lighting and angles and so yes on that end he's been a very useful service dog in that. <laughs> but beyond that, he is a very large, vigilant, tough guy, half German Shepherd half standard poodle and on that he has taught me a lot about my own you know I speak about energy but for example if he feels that there's any kind of threat he reacts very strongly like those you know like a big tough guy and so Mm -hmm. I really be very confident it's the kind of dog you have to walk down the street with your shoulders back and look ahead if I look down and I'm uncertain he kind of takes over so it's taught me a lot, much more subtle than other, you know, more mild, easygoing dogs that I've had because he's a vigilant, basically guard dog. I've had to be much more observant to what he sees. You know, when I first got him, there would be like a little plastic bag blowing in the wind, you know, a block away. And it took me a while to even know what he was fixated on. And now I totally, I, I feel much more dog-like when I'm walking with him. Yeah, I get that. I have never been so aware of how many slices of pizza are dropped on the New York city streets before I had my dog echo. That's exactly. (laughs) So for me, it's about sound visuals, things that are moving, things that are different. I could tell you what garbage can has appeared on the corner that wasn't there before. I never was best observant before my Uh So yes. And when you guys aren't taking pictures or walking through New York City, what do you guys do for fun? Well, he lets, he helps me select images. He works in the computer. No. <laughs> we do a lot of obedience work and training and definitely things that keep him busy and keep his mind busy, which I love because it's basically I'm the limited, limiting factor. You know, if I, if I get lazy on what the next trick or obedience thing, then you know, then it's really me. It's not him. He would continue to learn. I will say I do a lot of Tai Chi. I practice a lot of Tai Chi, which is a martial art, which kind of looks like moving yoga sort of. And uh, for some reason, he loves watching this. And I, when I take mini breaks during the day, he he always, I'd like to say he joins me, but that would be not really accurate. (laughs) He watches me and it helps me a lot to do this kind of practice, keeps me strong for my work, which is actually quite physical. Yeah, well, he sounds obedient. He likes to watch Tai Chi. Do you guys have that? um, It's like a puppy casino I recently bought, like a little mind game where it has a lock and keys and treats are hidden in and they have to like pull a piece off and then pull a drawer out. Yeah, I have tried any number of those and he literally ends up sort of throwing them against the wall and shaking things out. But we do hide a lot of things. I'll hide toys by their name. And if there's a new visitor, just hiding that visitor behind a door and then having him go find them is sort of up his alley. Yeah, that's so fun. Does Luca accompany you to photo shoots? Most definitely not. No? Distracting? (laughs) Yeah. You know, 
I mean, it's a good question because there are times I probably would love that, but it's really about the clients. And one thing that's really important, and I always tell the people who, you know, interns and assistants who help me that it's always about respecting the animal client as well as the human client. And you wouldn't necessarily like a bunch of people showing up at your door unannounced and animals take time, cats, dogs, horses certainly take time to get to know who's coming into their space. Mm -hmm. And I would never impose more than and they can already, they're already putting up with our equipment and us and new smells. And yeah. Well, I've been looking forward to asking you this question because I think <laughs> I'm always asking people this, but can you speak to the belief that owners and their pets look alike, considering oh. you photograph a bunch of them? Gosh, yes. I, okay. Basically, I only see the lookalike part. I don't even see now anything else. So. <laughs> I'd probably win this contest if you like line dogs up and some people up and you'd ask me to match them. I could probably do it. In that would be, that is a good test. Let's do it. Let's, let's make a contest. That's so, like a Buzzfeed quiz. Yeah. I like, I, I kind of like it, but so here's how I think about that because I often, I'm often thinking about it. Some things are really obvious. Like for example, we often have similar color palettes. So if I say I love warm colors in my apartment, you know, light woods and warm paint colors, oftentimes the dog might also be in warmer. For example, I'm blonde. I have a very light haired dog. Everything's light in my home. That's not always the case, but it's often the case. So it ma we sort of match to the color palettes that we, that we like. That's sort of an obvious example. But I think for me, the ones that stand out are much less obvious. I notice people often have a similar gait to their animals, a way of walking or a way of looking. You know how somebody might look out into the distance and then their dog kind of looks out and gazes into the distance. They pause the same way, like a rhythm. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Okay. A lot of my photography, a lot of, since most of my images on my site are of people in relationship to their animals, that's when I feel I have a good image is when I'm really kind of revealing that similarity. And it's not always the hugging, touching kind. It can be a person and a dog from a distance. Yes, I did see. I saw two on your website, one of a man and his dog with their back to the camera on a beach. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly like that. And then another of just, I guess, the profile of, of someone and their dog. Which is the more obvious one. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of the beach, do you have a favorite place to shoot in? You know, again, it's, this, it's the same feeling when my clients pick the place and they love to be there. That's what I love. So it could be on a couch. It could be by the ocean. It's wherever they just light up. And then that, to me, that's my favorite. I've, I mean, I've, I shoot all over the world and maybe I'm more partial to a naturey, you know, to the woods or the ocean. But some of my favorite locations have been in somebody's home where they're just completely happy with their animal. And have you ever put yourself in danger to get a shot? I mean, maybe not at someone's home or on the beach, but, but on these more exotic trips that you've taken. Yeah. You know, I would say I never think of that at the time. Maybe in retrospect, yes, as you said, domestic animals, less so. Some of the more wild animals, like um, photographing inside enclosures with wolves in a sanctuary or 
um, recently, for example, up close with some orangutans, not in the enclosure, but near, you know, nearby. In retrospect, I have a great deal of respect for wild animals and they are who they are and they do what they do. And that alone makes us who don't necessarily, we don't always know how to follow their cues or listen to their warnings. So there's always a little bit of danger there. And the rule of thumb is always for me to listen very, very carefully to the humans that are in charge of that situation. So for example, with the orangutans, this woman, lovely woman who runs the sanctuary was saying, don't get too close because they might pull your hair out of curiosity and that could become a dangerous, you know, a dangerous situation. And they're not doing anything that's not ordinary to them, but that could be very dangerous for us. So I luckily have enough experience working in zoos and, and traveling to these places where I very much listen to what I'm told and follow guidelines of the people who understand animals far more than, than I do in that case. Yeah. Wow. Well, photography, I know, is a difficult profession in and of itself, but just speaking with you and what I know about animals being stubborn or not listening to you, animal photography must be even more difficult. Do you have any advice for those who want to get into this field? Well, while it is challenging, it's also really, really popular right now. So is it? It's well, it's it's quite oversaturated, at least for example, in bigger cities in New York City, as far as dog photography. So Oh yeah. I, yeah, dog, yes. the, yeah, I'd say a couple of things. First of all, there's a big continuum, right, between photographing wild animals, say in nature, you know, polar bears and the Arctic and to all the way to dog studio portraits. So I'd probably say if you want to work with animals, I get a lot of emails about people wanting to intern with me because they want to work with animals, but that's a very big continuum. So I would say explore where on that continuum. Do you want to like be in a kayak exploring and shooting at the same time? Or do you want to, do you see yourself in a studio in a city? And then I'd say, once you know where you want to be, there's a lot you can work on, on your end, not just camera skills, also just understanding animals, talking to experts, taking classes, studying, reading, having lots of experience watching animals, and then learning all about the unspoken languages, you know, like I said before, how you move around animals, how you make eye contact, don't make eye contact, how you get quiet, don't get quiet. These things sound so secondary, but they become the way that you can relate better to animals. And then I would say my most important thing, which I tell people often who are, who are new to this, is obviously follow what you love, but why? Understand this, you know, the so what part of what you do? Like, why does it matter? So for example, for me, I want to help people celebrate their connection to their animal because I think that when they can tap into that very strong, powerful kind of love, that intimacy that we have with our animals that sometimes we hardly have with any, anybody else, that that then can make us more compassionate and more connected to other people and less alone and, you know, and, and less more in joy and more in peace because, you know, we, we're all struggling in different ways. Mm -hmm. So that's my very big why I do this. And I think it, that's what makes me better at what I do. And I would always tell someone to photography is just the tip of the iceberg. It's really why you're doing it. That's going to make you better. Yes, that's excellent advice. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. I've loved listening to the other interviews. 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's so nice <laughs> of you. I hope to see you at uh, future poopy doopy teeny weeny parties. And I would also love for you to photograph my dogs and I at some point. Absolutely. I'm thinking about starting us an Instagram. Oh, definitely. I'll follow you. Okay, great. That's one follower we have. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Victoria. Bye. Bye. That concludes today's episode of Tales of the City on Pet Life Radio. Before I sign off, I just want to say that Diana and I both found our beloved pooches on PetFinder.com, and you can too. The other day, I spoke to a mother and daughter admiring a puppy in a pet store window. They had no idea that they were just clicks away from rescuing a -a one-of-a-kind pup for the fraction of a price while saving a life and making room to save one more. Please, please, please consider looking on sites like PetFinder.com or AdoptAPet.com before purchasing a dog from an inhumane puppy mill. My most used hashtag is an adopt don't shop for no reason. That concludes today's episode of Tales of the City on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Victoria Schaefer, signing off. Hashtag adopt don't shop. Let's talk pets every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.